This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, August 4th, 2013. What business are we in? The investment business. Goodness gracious. Investments. Yeah, that's what we're talking about this morning as we begin a new series called What Business Are We In This Month or This Morning? We're in the investment business. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made. So God, I would be bold to pray that you would open each one of our hearts, possibly in a new way. Convict us if we need to be convicted. Teach us, Lord your truth. We give this time to you now in Jesus' name. And everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. So investments, when I was an agent with the Prudential Insurance Company, I was licensed to sell certain investments like mutual funds and some variable annuities. And now these investments involve stocks and bonds. And uh, the thing about these types of investments, there are no guarantees, unlike a savings account where you're guaranteed your principal and maybe nowadays a very very small amount of interest these investments had no guarantees no promise and so it was important to match the uh, the uh, client with the proper investment their amount of risk with the amount of risk associated with that particular investment of course everybody wants willing to take huge risk as long as there's huge return and when returns are zero or a negative, then all of a sudden their risk quotient <laughs> backs off. It's really interesting how people are. Anyway, things we always had to tell a client was this. Past history of this investment is no guarantee for future performance. In other words, what it did last year, you can't take that as a, what it's going to do this year or into the future. There's no, no, no guarantees. There's always risk. That's why we call it an investment rather than a savings plan. It's a risky kind of a thing. Did you know, though, that every day, every single one of us are in the investment business? You are in the investment business because every day of our lives, we are investing some very, very precious commodity, some commodities that we will not get back. Commodities like time and talent and treasure. We invest those things somewhere, somehow, in something or other. And so the question is today, how are we doing on our investments? What are we investing and how are we investing? Are we making a difference? Are we making good, sound investments in what God gives us in our time, in our talent, in our treasures? Or are we just kind of throwing them away, taking them for granted, being very reckless with our time and our talent and our treasure? Kind of like, you know, having this million dollar pot and just playing the stock market as if money meant nothing. What are we doing with what God has given us? Hmm. And so there was a point where I and when I was with Prudential, that I, I came to a point of decision, a point where I had to make a very, very serious choice about what I was doing with my 
time, talent, treasure. I'd been with Prue for 14 years. I figured I'd be with them till I retired. I was putting money away into the retirement plan. That was, the, that was how it was going to be. And then uh, God had a little different uh, idea for me, drew me in a different direction. Long story short, I felt some sort of ministry call. And so um, in the Methodist Church, there's a process where they help you discern, uh, help you figure out what that, explore what that might be. And they assigned me to a pastor, interesting, the other Methodist pastor in town, not the one at my church, and uh, the other one in town. And he became a mentor and kind of walked me through this exploration process. Man, I was gung-ho. I was ready to get this thing rolling. So I was double time in the sessions. And, and then it was the last day. And he says, well, Alan, it's time to make a decision. And it was like, gulp, swallow hard, go, oh, okay. And, and um, so I said, I better go home and pray about this one. <laughs> I better pray hard about this one. You know, when you're married and have four kids, there aren't too many quiet moments in the house, especially when the children are young. But on this particular day, I guess God was looking out for things because I got home and carrying the kids, I don't remember where, but they weren't even there. It was a very quiet house. So, so I took my Bible, and I've never really done this. You ever done it where you open it and just, God, speak to me, and you open it? I had a friend that had talked about that, and I thought, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I opened it, and it fell to Matthew 5. It's called the Beatitudes. It's the section of the Bible that says, blessed are the, and, and actually it's probably Luke's version would be closer, but it says, you know, blessed are the poor, in this case poor in spirit, but blessed are the poor. I should have known right then ministry was in my future just by by that little stuff. But anyway, I didn't feel it was really speaking to me. And this person who had said, oh, I just opened my Bible and let it speak to me. It said, if it doesn't, I turn until it does. I said, well, okay, now I get it. So I turned a page, one page, and it took me to Matthew 4. This is what Matthew 4 says. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. <laughs> wow. Okay, God, hit me over the head here with a two-by-four. I kind of closed the Bible and said, here I am. And that was the, kind of the step toward where I am right here today. Yeah. There you go, a little change in the time, talent, and treasure. Yeah. Yeah, so those are... That's a scripture that has three very powerful verses. When Peter and his brother Andrew dropped their nets to follow Jesus, they were in effect investing everything they had. They weren't some guys that were just out having a good day fishing because that was their hobby. That was their livelihood. And so when they dropped their nets, that meant they were putting aside their livelihood, walking away from that. They were walking away from everything that was familiar, from their security, from who, what defined them, who they were, and what they had been. And so they were walking away. It wasn't some like midlife crisis. They were walking away because the Lord told them to and leaving their livelihood behind. And Jesus didn't stop with Simon, Peter, and Andrew. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. 
So Jesus calls James and John in addition to Peter and Andrew. Now, if we were to read Luke's version of this story, we find out that James and John were Peter's business partners. And so this was not just two people out in a boat. This becomes more of a business enterprise. There could have been lots of other people involved. There could have been fleets of boats. We don't get those kinds of details, but we know that people other than these guys were involved. There were families involved in this decision. The decision to follow Jesus affects, is a huge investment that affects a lot of people. We wonder what Zebedee, the father of uh, James and John, were thinking when his boys and his partners jumped ship and made a different decision. Now, those of you who are parents of young adults who have been to college, uh, we're on our fourth college education and with our kids, and um, three out of four of them like, made different decisions, either in the middle of while they were in college or gradu after graduation. So it's like, you what? You invested all this time in your what? I mean, this was real life for them. This they're just, just following their parents' lead. They were just following their parents' lead, sorry. I guess. Yeah. The point is, is that this just wasn't some story that didn't affect people. They had families, and it affected others. The investments we make of our time and our talent and our treasure affects many, many more people than just ourselves. It's kind of an important point that we want you to remember. The investments that we make, that you make, of your time, your talent, and your treasure affects many, many more people than just yourselves. This is a serious decision of how we invest what God has given us. And so the question we offer to each and every one of you this morning is this, how are you investing your time, talent, and treasure? Have you carefully considered where and how you're investing your life? Let's start with time. How are you spending your time? There's a popular musical, it's called Rent, and there's a song from that musical called The Seasons of Love. You might be more familiar with the alternative title, 525,600 Minutes. Let's listen.
How about love? Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. 525,600 minutes. It really does boil down to love. How do we invest that time in this season of life that you're in? How about love? God gives every single one of us the same amount of time. It's like, oh, they've got more time. No, they don't. <laughs> we all have the same amount of time. So the question becomes, how are we going to spend that time? What are we going to do with that time? So we're going to break it down, break it down a little bit. So we've got, um, let's just say that we rest for eight hours a night. And um, boy, I wish I could stay asleep for that, but let's say eight hours. So we're going to take that out of the equation. That's about a, a third of the minutes. It uses 175,200 minutes. And so then there's the 40-hour work week, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, right. Okay, we're going to tack on 20 hours additional to that, which is our travel time, our commuting, and, and some overtime. And then we just have to say, how does God want us to spend um, 187,200 minutes? And so then we've got this time, but see all the minutes. We're talking about leftover minutes, but I want to focus on the minutes that we've already talked about other than our sleep time, our work time, our school time. All that is important minutes that God gives us to make a difference. We've got to use those minutes well. So, are you looking for kingdom opportunities in your workplace, in your school, in the community, in Walmart, wherever we go? What would happen if we asked God at the beginning of the day to show us how to use those minutes that ha are a gift to each one of us? What would happen in this community, in our town, in our, you know, in Delaware, in Maryland, if we ask God, what do you want us to do with the minutes that you've given us? That's just mind-blowing when I think about those possibilities. Mm. And so we take away the sleep time and the hopefully uh, kingdom-using work time minutes. That still leaves us, I'm not going to sing, I'm just going to say it, 163,200. That's 2,720 hours. That's about 52 hours a week. 52 hours a week, 52 weeks at a year. That's a lot of hours, 52 hours a week. Now, I understand out of that comes uh, cleaning the house, cooking the meals, cutting the grass, chauffeuring the kids, washing the clothes, I, and all those out of the 52. Amen? But there's still a couple hours someplace unaccounted for. And, and we're going to say, am I using those the best way God would want me to use the time he's given me? What, what's God calling me to do with those other couple hours? I got to thinking about me. I'm thinking, does God really want me spending three hours several days a week watching baseball? And if he really did, why doesn't he make my team play better? I'm just saying, come on. 
Uh, obviously, I'm not, it, it, it isn't working, so that's not where I'm supposed to be spending, even if they did play better. I'm not sure, God, maybe God wants to say, ah, I'm watching Bogan, but I'm not sure he wants me every day spending three of his hours watching people play a game. Uh, or you ever get on the internet and you're, oh, that's really interesting, and then they have the little side thing, and, well, that, and you do this like rabbit hunt, and two hours later you go, wow, uh, it's kind of like you wake up and you, oh, wow, what did I just do with two hours of my time? I, I don't know. I mean, once in a while it's probably, but I'm not sure God wants us to make us a high. Is that really good use of those precious, because they are precious, never-to-be-gotten-back moments that God has given us? Am I really being a good steward of God's time that he's given me if I use it? Mm, I've got to really carefully consider, don't I? Yeah. So that's time. Let's talk about talent. Now there's natural talent and there's supernatural talent. Your natural talent that we can kind of, we're, we're good at something, we can kind of develop it and take it a little bit farther. It's kind of stuff that we, we do. But then there's supernatural talent where where there, it's a gift, it's a God-given gift, and we really can't claim it, we can just use it for God's glory. Are you using the gifts and talents the way that God would want you to? God gave Peter, James, and John the ability to catch fish, but completely rerouted them, so instead of catching fish, they're using that gift to catch people, to teach people about Jesus. Wow, it's... Uh, Amazing what God can do with each one of us. When you talk to God about how you're wired, God, you know, I'm, I'm sort of guessing that everybody here believes, but we're all on a different kind of path of what that looks like. But the bottom line is, the truth is, God has created you, God has wired you, and you're here for God's purpose. Not this church, but you're here on this planet to serve God, to know God, to love God, to worship God. And so if we talk to God about that and we just say, okay, here I am, what do you want me to do? How, what are the little changes or maybe big changes you want me to make? He's going to talk to you and lead you. It might not be an audible voice, but it could be a direction or a yearning. But it's really, really important to go into that. Um, I'm thinking about if you enjoy music, you don't really have to be a musician, but you enjoy music and you love kids. I am so excited. We've got the perfect ministry for you. It's called Sam. Do you know Sam? Probably not. Sam is the Student Arts Ministry. In September, we are going to begin a radical ministry here in our community. We're going to utilize the garage, this entire building, and invite the community, children from first grade through eighth grade, to come and take courses. It's like semester courses. They might do drama for a semester or dance for a semester, or learn how to play an instrument, or learn how to do tech, or learn how to do um, art, uh, paint on a palette. And this is called Student Arts Ministry. We are so excited about this. You're going to hear more about it. But this isn't a little tiny vision. This is a God-sized vision. This is stuff that people pay for out in the community. And because we believe that God's grace is free, this is free 
for the community. We hope each one of you will somehow at least pray for this, and you're going to hear more about this in the future. Now, on the other hand, maybe you don't connect with kids. <laughs> maybe you don't even like kids. And so, you know, you say, well, what could I do? Uh, well, maybe you're the type that, like, uh, uh, gets very focused. Maybe you're a whiz with numbers and you're task-oriented. You know, there's people in the church here who, well, later in today, they're going to take all the money we pulled in the offering and they're going to make sure that it's accounted for, that it's properly credited. You know those statements you get at tax time to tell how much you gave? That Somebody had to keep track of all that, and it's somebody who has a gift for that sort of thing, you know? And, and maybe that's... Where maybe you're a number person, maybe that's God saying, well, how about if you count money for us, you know? Uh, you think, well, that's how exciting is that? Well, it's very crucial. It's an important part of, of what we do here. Or, or maybe you're one of those type of people who just, you just love people. You can't help yourself, you know? And you are just sunshine on a cloudy day. You know what I'm like saying there? I'm not going to sing sunshine. it. We don't want to lose everybody. And um, that would be not sunshine on a cloudy day. And, I mean, when you're out there, man, you just, you're just like a person magnet, you know. Man, we need you in the parking lot. Because, you know, a lot of people, they come here first time before they ever step foot in, in here, before they ever hear the music, ever hear the preaching. They've decided if they're coming back or not based on how welcomed they were. And if you're one of them sunshine on a cloudy day people, hi, I'm so glad to see you. Now, I'd love to be out there. If I weren't preaching, I'd be out in the parking lot because that's just fun. You would that be is out just there. just fun. You know, people as they come in. We could be like the best preachers in the world, or we could have the best praise team in the world, which, by the way, I think we do. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I, I think, I know that if people don't feel welcome when they walk in the door, none of that matters. They are not going to stay. Now, here's a a disturbing thing that just happened. We had a person come to the church. He was a, a young person, 20-something, and he came to the church last week, so I send out emails, and you know, when I have those addresses, and say, hey, welcome, and I decided, I said, okay, I'm gonna ask you something, and I want some honest answers, and I asked him four questions, and one of the questions were, were you welcome? Did anybody speak to you? How relevant was the message? You know, those kinds of things. And um, he wrote back and said nobody spoke to him. Now, I brag on us that we're a welcoming church. And in that case, this young person who was 20 years old was handed a program, you know, here you go, welcome, but that doesn't really count. The program person, it's got to be the rest of us. So Connection Church, I know we're a welcoming church. I hear about that. But in this case, we missed the boat. And I don't want to miss the boat with anybody else. I know you don't want to either. So let's get on our A game with the welcoming. Get out of our little small groups and remember the people that need to come through the doors who need a welcoming touch. Is that a deal? Yeah. So we all need to be welcoming, but we also all need to figure out where is it that God wants us plugged into our particular, you know, with kids or with numbers or with the, the you know, wherever we're to be plugged in. Uh, and, and let me tell you, if you pray that, God, show me where to go. You better be ready because God's probably going to show you where to go. And it might be a far different spot than you had planned for yourself. You're thinking here and God's saying, no, 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 big boy. 
No, 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 young lady, it's over here. I'm glad you didn't say big girl. <laughs> I'm smarter than that. <laughs> I'm not real bright, but some days, you know, some days you just know. And here's the thing. You pray that God, show me where, he'll show you. And that's the whole thing about investment. It's risky, isn't it? And there's no guarantees. Wait a minute, there is one guarantee. The one guarantee is God, show me and you follow. I guarantee you, you'll be blessed. If you try to follow where God's showing you, where God's calling you to, to serve, where God's calling you to use your, your talent, you will be blessed. You be faithful, you're blessed. That's the order it goes. It's not blessed and then be faithful. You faithfully follow, God blesses you. That's a guarantee. So we've talked about time and we've talked about talent. Let's talk about treasure. How are you spending your treasure? Actually, it's not your treasure. It's God's. Everything we have is God's. Every penny we make is God's. Everything we have is God's. How are we using? How are we being stewards of what God gives us? God does tell us in the Bible um, to tithe. That means give 10% to the ministry of God's church. That means we get to keep 90. That's a lot of money, 90%. And I guarantee you, again, we will be blessed. You will be blessed if you do that. How are you using God's treasure? Sometimes I imagine uh, having a sit down with Jesus and him like looking right at me saying, okay, Carrie, how are you using your treasure? Because it's really my treasure. If you had that conversation with God, what would that look like? Mm. Funny thing about how God operates, at least this is my spin. Once our basic needs are met, if we seek God's direction on how to use his money, most usually you're going to be directed to use it on, for the benefit of somebody else once your needs are met. Like, I'll give you an example of what's coming up here. We're, having a, we're going to have a capital campaign. We're going to try to raise some money so we can put a building up there on 71301. So we have a little more space, a little more opportunity to do ministry, to do worship, because we're leasing this space. We're going to purchase a, a building up there. And, and the thing is about I was thinking about this when we're preparing for this. Look around. We're pretty comfortable right here today, aren't we? Are, are these seats pretty comfortable? I like these seats. They're comfortable. A whole lot better than the old ones, right? Amen? You got room? I mean, in here it's not, I mean... If it's just about us, we don't need to go, do we? We can just sit tight. We don't have to reach in our pockets a little deeper because everybody's pretty comfortable. Everything's fine. But see, it's not about us, is it? Because if we go up there, we're thinking about the people who aren't here yet who are going to fill up these seats and then we don't have room. We're thinking about the guy who doesn't know anything about Jesus and we're going to try and connect him in the life he offers. We're thinking about that woman who has no inkling that in six months she's going to be sitting there and then up, up. You see what I'm saying? In other words, we're going to be a capital campaign, not for us, but for uh, those beyond us. And not just here today, but tomorrow for our children and their children and their children. They call that a legacy, don't they? It's for the legacy that we're going to establish. You know, we were in North Carolina. Our niece got married two weeks ago now? No, it was last week. Last weekend. week. <laughs> last week. 
And we were in this church that they just put on this beautiful new section, but the pastor was showing us the history of this church. Wow. This church has been around a long time, long time. You know, way back when somebody dug deep in their pocket, coughing up a few bucks so that they'd have this building for the, not just for them, but for the future generations so people could invite people to Jesus. And those people had no idea that Elizabeth Craft was going to get married there last week, but she did, thanks to those people using God's resources for some God kingdom work. Amen? Amen. I grew up in Kingswood Church up in Brookside. That church had been there quite a while before my family arrived. But that's where I learned the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's where I was given the Bible, and I learned about God's grace and love. Somebody invested in me and in our family. They don't know, they didn't know that we'd be here today like this. But that's what it's all about. We have to look outside of ourselves because if we look inside ourselves, and it, then we, as Alan said, we may as well just stay right here and close the doors. And if we did that, I guarantee you, if we'd done that three years ago, a lot of you wouldn't be here today. We cannot be satisfied if we don't grow because it means reaching people for Jesus and the life that he offers. The kingdom is so big. It's so much bigger than we can ever dream of. <coughs> God's mind's eye is so huge. We can't even conceive of God's plan and God's vision for each one of our lives, for our church, for our community. We have no idea the long-term effect that we can make on others. But there is a long-term effect, and we can make a difference in people that we don't even know about. What we do know is we can say thank you to all who have gone before us, who have put their time, talent, and resources on the line so that we could be here today. Mm. So we're in the investment business as we daily invest our time, talent, and treasure, the resources God's given us. You know, sometimes it's tough to know exactly where God wants us to put them. But, you know, if we pray and we read Scripture, we, we usually have a pretty good idea. God, you want me to do this or this? Usually it's, it's pretty clear. It's, pretty, it's not that challenging sometimes. But here's one thing we ought to always keep in mind. Always remember, never forget. That Jesus is the ultimate investor. Because he invested in you and me with everything he had, his very life. He allowed himself to be arrested, beaten, hung on a cross. He died and was buried so that we might realize eternal life. He, three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that death is not the final that's not the final answer, is it? No, that's just the beginning. The beginning of a whole new chapter of eternity with God. But we only get that thanks to the investment that Jesus made because 
through our sinfulness, we're not capable of paying the price for that eternal salvation. But Jesus made the investment. <laughs> kind of interesting. He invested so that we would be saved. You get investment and savings in the same quotient there. Jesus invested his life in order to save ours. He is in the investment business, and he calls us to be as well. Amen. <laughs>